Hey, it's Nate Parrish from Wedway Radio, and you're listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 43 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we conclude our three-part interview with Brian Levine. Brian's already shared some wonderful and interesting stories about working the Disneyland Railroad and the Main Street vehicles. So, if you've missed either of the first two parts of this interview, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. In this episode, Brian talks about the first time he felt like he was doing something really special. What still sticks with him since his time at Disneyland? What he loved most about what he did? What he learned while working at Disneyland that stuck with him more than everything he learned in college? An extra story about a special guest? What he'd do if he could do anything working for the Walt Disney Company? His unique collection and a podcast related to it that he does? What he never gets asked that he'd like to? What finally made him understand what makes the Disney parks qualitatively different than any other theme park? His last day working at Disneyland and what that was like? What inspires him? And his advice to you for following your dreams? Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and continue this story. On September 22, 2004, Oceanic Flight 815 left Sydney, Australia, bound for Los Angeles and crashed on a remote and mysterious island somewhere in the South Pacific. The survivors quickly realized this was no ordinary island. The groundbreaking Emmy Award-winning drama Lost ran on ABC television from September 22, 2004 to May 23, 2010 and remains to this day one of the greatest television series of all time. Relive every moment of this amazing series as we reopen the hatch and take you deep inside each episode of this epic series. My name is Joyce. And I'm Al. And on our show, Lost Flight 815, we'll cover each episode of this immensely popular series in a unique way. We'll watch the show as we record and share our thoughts and lost facts while you listen to the episode with us. So tune in to the Lost 815 podcast and visit us on the web at www.lostflight815.com and relive one of the greatest shows of all time. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at LostFlight815. And now... This week's interview on Stories of the Magic. During the time that you were working there, and I'm going to guess this is probably pretty early on in that time, do you remember a specific circumstance or a moment or anything that you remember thinking, I'm doing something really special here? Yeah, you know, the the first moment when you're out in the, 
when you're out in the crowd and you're in your costume and you've got your name tag on and everybody automatically thinks you're an expert even though you're brand new and you have no clue really what's going on. I, I thought uh-huh. this, is, this is really this is really special. The first time that a kid asked me for my autograph, wanted me to sign his autograph, wanted me to sign one of their autograph books, or wanted to take a picture with me, that's when I realized, you know what, for the rest of their their life, I'm going to be that representative of, of whether it just be the trains or Main Street attractions or yeah, how many, uh, yeah, everybody wants to have their picture with Mickey, but here I am also representing that and I thought well, this is really special that uh, this little kid's got my autograph you know? and I had to think how do you sign it so I just signed it you know conductor Brian yeah, I didn't I had to think about how to spell conductor the first time <laughs> uh, I bet but the yeah that first time I had to autograph somebody's somebody's autograph book or was asked to autograph somebody's book and yeah, that was that was fun Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, we've asked a few cast members to do that for us, and it always seems like a really special moment for them. So I'm glad to hear that it is. I mean, that's really what sticks out in my mind is the first time that I realized I was doing something that was going to last long beyond the time I was here. There's a couple of things that still stick with me to this day. I have a hard time wearing reflective sunglasses. Because Disney policy is you can wear sunglasses, but they can't be reflective and they can't be too dark. So I always feel like I'm kind of shut off. And every time I'm walking by somebody that's taking a picture of the other person in the party, I want to ask them if I can take a picture of both of them. <laughs> it's still, still that knee-jerk reaction where I want to I want to take a picture of them. Yeah. Can I take a picture of both of you for you? And I bet you'd probably get taken up on that periodically. Oftentimes I do. Uh, it's as technology has changed and people don't want to hand over their iPhones, <laughs> I'm getting right. a little bit of resistance to that because we live in a little bit different world now. But yeah, most of the time, I'm pretty much a non-threatening looking person. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, now, you've kind of, I think you've probably answered this in sort of a roundabout way, but I'm going to ask straight out and give you a chance to answer it directly. What did you love most about what you did? the guests, plain and simple, the guest interaction. Without the guests, the park is a great place, but it's just a park. It's just buildings, and it becomes an office. It becomes buildings and employees uh, without the guests in there. Imagine you work in a place where 99.9% of the people that are there are really happy that they are coming there to to see you, and you're putting on a show for them. it, It really is the people. It's the guests of the parks that really make the park. And you get a good bunch of guests with you, and it can make your day just fly by. You get occasionally the one sour apple, and you get over it real quick because coming right along is 500 guests that are just thrilled to be there and want to hop on your attraction and go with you. And that was part of my problem with working in the parking lot was I didn't have that guest interaction that I that I craved. And then there were you know, there were some days where your personal life was not exactly wonderful or things were on your mind and you'd get there and all of a sudden the guests would take your mind off of it and help make your day better. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the guests. Even in my professional career it's always been about creating something that'll last beyond you and 
it's about the customers. It's about the uh, it's about the people that you that you sell to or the people that you that you service. I learned more from that one thing than I did in all my years in college. Uh, as long as you remember that it's whatever you do, you're doing something to provide a service somehow to an end user. And if you think about that end user, you may not see them every day and you may not have contact with them every day, but you're impacting them. And the better you do your job, the better they're impacted. That's a very good reminder. Now, you've shared with me and the listeners several stories of guests and, and things that you've done, but are there any that you haven't shared yet that you want to talk about of any favorite stories of you know, something that made the magic for a guest that you did or even something that a guest did that made magic for you? It's hard to really, for me, to pull out from 20-something years ago. Anything yeah, anything out of out of the ordinary. There was one guest in particular that used to come into Main Street all the time, and I I'm gonna. I believe his name. I believe everybody called him Alfred. That was a an older guy that would come in and walk Main Street and help clean up and would wander around the park and kind of. He at that point in the 80s, I would say he was somebody that had uh, either like some sort of a, uh, an older person with Down syndrome or something like that. But he he thought that every day was his. He had to come to work at Disneyland when he he was really just a guest that knew everybody's name and asked how you were doing and yeah thought that he worked there but he gave us more of an inspiration than than we could give him. It, there was one point where he had run he didn't have money and there was a changeover in management at the at at the uh, ticket at the front entrance and they weren't going to let him back in anymore because. Technically, they were letting him in for free, and so a whole bunch of cast members chipped in and bought him an annual pass. Uh, and he'd come in and walk around and pick up trash and make sure the trash cans were cleaned and talk to all the cast members. And that was just one of my favorite stories. Everybody said he was kind of like the the reincarnation of Walt, still walking in the park, but just a great character. And he he ended up he'd come in every day. Every day like clockwork, and then one day I I heard in the late 90s he stopped coming in, and they'd found out that he had passed away. And he was living in a in a group home of some sort in Anaheim. Hmm. But that was his thing was to come to the parks. Nobody knew where he, how he started doing it or anything. It was just kind of this. <laughs> here here he came. Okay. <laughs> wow. Huh. Yeah, I think the one thing about Disney cast members in particular is that every day that there's magic happening all over the parks and all over the resorts and even on the buses at Disney World and all day long there's all these small little magic incidents of wonder and amazement and I'll end up back to work there somehow, somewhere. You think so? Oh, yeah, yeah. I won't retire. I'll just clock out one day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, let me ask you then, parks and resorts or otherwise, anything in the Walt Disney Company, if you could have any job working for the Walt Disney Company, what would it be and why? Uh, I have two answers, and they're based off of 1990s era because that's the last time I was paying attention to what jobs were available. Okay. You can create one if you want to for this answer too. Well, if I can create one, yeah. King. <laughs> um, okay. What's your second no, choice? I have two of them because I've been thinking about this. 
if I'm young enough and have the energy enough to do it, I would like to be what used to be called show quality services, which were the folks that kind of worked with Imagineering but went around and made sure that all the facilities were up to the original design qualities and maintained correctly and made sure that everything was laid out the way the original designs were and make sure that maintenance was happening and make sure that the guest experience was correct. I would love to do that for the Walt Disney World property because I think it would just be daily thrill to go out and explore parts of that property that I've still yet to see and yeah, who's going there two weeks at a time each year. So uh, that's if I'm young enough to have the energy to take on a, a real job. If I'm no longer young enough, I want to go back on Main Street. Okay. I want to drive the vehicles. I want to go back to – I'd prefer to go back to Disneyland and drive the Main Street vehicles and go back through that whole Main Street routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe be the lead on Main Street so that way I got to – give brakes to all the drivers, so I got to drive all three or four different kinds of vehicles each day. Oh, that's a good idea. And got that variety, and then got to see the events again. And yeah. And if I was uh, if I was king, I'd make myself the lead on Main Street, and they'd have the Main Street Electrical Parade back every night <laughs> on Main Street, where it belongs. There you go. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. There's something familiar, but mostly off about seeing the Main Street Electrical Parade in the Magic Kingdom? The Magic Kingdom, I understand. The last time I saw it in California was at California Adventure. That too, yeah. yeah. I was like, mm, okay. Uh-huh. I, mean, I, remember, I remember the knights standing out on Main Street, and I had the timing down on the music so that I knew exactly when the lights were going to go out, and I'd have my little lighted directional flashlight baton to direct traffic, and I'd have, you know, I'd have it in front of me with one little kid, and I'd kind of lightsaber it out just at the time that the lights were going to go out and turn the light on at the same time, and the little kids go, ooh. (laughs) I still have that flashlight. Don't tell anybody. Oh, wouldn't dream of it. It's okay. Nobody listens, so you're fine. Now, and there's a bunch more stuff I'm sure we could talk about, too, but I do want to go into this other thing here. As I mentioned in the intro, you've got a very unique collection that combines two interests of yours, and then even... Beyond the collection, you've got something else that you do related to that. So go ahead and tell me about it. I will uh, I will say right now that anybody under the age of 19, don't worry about it. Just ignore this part. Anybody over the age of 19, that's fine. Uh, for a profession, I sell pipes, the old-fashioned wood smoking pipes and tobacco accessories and tobacco. I've been in it for 16, 18 years. About... Ten, yeah, about 10 years ago, I came across some pipes at a collector's club show that were stamped Walt Disney World. Hmm. These go back to the days when there were tobacco shops on both main streets. Both main streets had full-service tobacco shops that sold cigars, pipes, pipe tobacco, imported stuff, accessories, they were full-line, full-service, turn-of-the-century tobacco shops. And in the past 10 years or so, I've amassed a collection of Disney Park Tobacchiana-related items, uh, which include everything from cigar boxes to tins or pouches of tobacco, books of matches, 
desk accessories for you to for you to put your pipes in, and a whole bunch of pipes that I even have one of them that's got the little Mickey silhouette drilled out in the stem with little white dots, so you can actually see Mickey the Mickey silhouette in the stem of the pipe. Oh wow! It's a combination of two things, and yes, it's a it's a hobby that is from a bygone era, but yet a very niche collectible kind of a hobby. I have my entire collection on Facebook and I'll do the, I don't make any money off of it. I don't sell any of this stuff. I collect it and I keep buying it. So if anybody wants to look on Facebook, they can look for the Disney Tabakiana collection or just search my name and you'll see my page for it there. I'll put a link in the show notes too so people can get to it that way. Uh, But it's a great look back to what the Disney company was doing, and I don't blame them for their policies um, on tobacco products now. Or you know, the whole the whole world has changed from where uh, pipe smoking has gone from something where a guy will do from the minute he wakes up to the minute he goes to sleep to now maybe two or three times a week, a guy will come home at the end of the day, or a lady will come home at the end of the day and end their day with a bowl of pipe tobacco sitting on the front porch and then just relaxing with their pipe. Uh, and it may be just something they'll do once a week or every couple of weeks. But for me, it's another thing that I that I found that I supply and sell products to people that makes them happy. They enjoy these pipes. Some guys may save all year long to buy a brand new pipe for $150, and I want to make sure that when they pick out a pipe, if it's one that I provide, that it's the best pipe that they can get Mm -hmm. and that they're going to get many years of enjoyment out of it. Uh, It's something that if these pipes are taken care of correctly, they can be passed down from generation to generation. And the... Disney collection started out as a bit of a snub to some pipe collectors, but really got a huge amount of respect from pipe collectors for its interest and significance and the vastness of tobacco-related items. And there's there's a bunch of lighters and ashtrays that are out there on the market that you just don't you can't find anymore, but they're on eBay and they're all Disney-related. So there, there's a collection for everybody out there. That there is. And now you also have a podcast related, I don't know if it's necessarily related to the Disney part, but to the pipe, cigar, and tobacco industry, right? It is a podcast that is directed purely towards the pipe-smoking enthusiast. However, because I love Disney, every once in a while Disney sneaks its little head in there and pokes its nose out. <laughs> Uh, last year's Halloween show, I played the song from The Haunted Mansion, and uh, lots of occasional Disney references to it. Uh, I often get asked by pipe smokers, if I go on vacation to Disney World, can I bring my pipe and smoke it anywhere? I heard you can't smoke there. Well, yes, you can smoke there, and there's very nice designated areas, and just smoke in there, and nobody will give you any problems. Mm-hmm. Um the podcast is um, not for the younger set. I don't. It's not. It's it's not that it's uh, rude or profane. It's just that it is all smoking related and pipe smoking related. 
Uh, we put out one show every week. It's about 50 minutes of show where I have guests from within the hobby and the business of tobacco-related items. I've had some people from outside the hobby that I thought would be interesting. Uh, one of my guests for a profession does a one-man show is Thomas Edison. Hmm. So, wow. So I, the the performer is a pipe smoker, and Thomas Edison was a cigar and pipe smoker, so I thought it'd be interesting to interview Thomas Edison for part of the show, and then the rest of the show was interviewing my friend Frank Atwood, who is a professional Thomas Edison performer. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, yeah, and actually the podcast is how I found out about your show, because I really knew nothing about podcasting, and decided that I needed to learn more about podcasting. There isn't. There was a couple of pipe-related podcasts out there. One of them's decent. The other ones have all fallen apart. Uh, but ours is ours is definitely themed like a full-time, like a regular radio show from the 1950s with real commercials. And I wanted to hear what was out there in podcasting, and that's how I found Wedway Radio. And I started looking at Disney podcasts and started to get the tone and the idea of what was going on in podcasting. And Wedway Radio was one that stuck out to me because of the historical references and talking about really niche niche things and diving into them. And then through them, I found your podcast. So between you and Wedway Radio, you you two are my entire di- my entire view of the Disney planet. <laughs> I'm sure we're a complete and comprehensive view. So, <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. And uh, you know, to be in the sa- mentioned in the same sentence with Wedway Radio in favorable light is definitely something I consider a high compliment. You're definitely doing good work, and I enjoy them. Thank you, thank you. I definitely appreciate that. Except this episode with me will probably bore me. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay when I'm on other podcasts. I usually don't listen to my part either. <laughs> I know what I said, and I don't really want to hear myself say it again. Now, what do you never get asked that you wish people would ask you? Being a host of a show, you probably do a lot of asking, but is there ever anything that you'd like to talk about, but you never get asked, and so you never have the chance to do it? You know, I've listened to plenty of your shows, and I knew this question was coming, and I was trying to think of something Disney-related. And I've got a question that I'm always asked, and I really didn't understand the – I really didn't have a good answer for it until, I think, about two weeks ago. Oh, okay. And the question the question that I got asked every time is, how can you keep going back to – Disney World or Disneyland. It doesn't it get boring. And I used to try to explain to people that it's it's not that it's boring and it's not that I need to go on attractions. I can imagine exactly what's going to happen on Small World every time, so I really don't need to go wait in the long line for it if there is a line. It's just being there and being completely immersed in all four dimensions of the parks. It's the difference between going to, for you, going to Six Flags Magic Mountain or for me going to Carowinds here, which are just ride parks, where the idea is to survive the time when you're not on a ride to get onto the ride, enjoy the ride, and then survive the time when you're off the ride to get onto the next ride. It's The difference is, is that at a Disney park, I don't need to be doing anything. I just need to be. 
Right. The thing that finally made me understand it for myself was when you touch a railing in a queue for a Disney ride and you feel that, yeah, you know it's steel, but they made it to look like bamboo strapped together and you feel the textures and the changes and elevations in it. When you go to another park, you see that they took a piece of steel and painted it a color and it's still smooth but it's just a different color. Mm-hmm. And that it's that fourth dimension of the last detail is done. And I finally figured out that answer. Thinking about it, it's just everything is completely done so that you're in every, you're getting inundated by everything and it just completely, it completely blocks out everything else that I'm thinking about. Yeah. Because all the senses are satisfied. Mm-hmm. You become completely immersed in that world. Yeah. yeah. And other than that, I I think in my years of working at Disneyland and being at Disney Parks as much as I've been, I think I've been asked every question under the sun. <laughs> um, one of my favorite guest questions that I actually had was a guest pulled into the toll plaza and it was pouring rain outside. And I don't like to pick on the guests too often, but why not? It was pouring rain outside, and the guests rolled down the window and under the, under the covered awning and did the $4 for parking or whatever it was, and the guests said, so is it raining inside the park, too? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry it is. Did they ask about the dome? Oh, the, there was all kinds of, you, know, you get all kinds of great questions and I always tell people there don't don't ever stop asking questions because the minute you do you're done but some of the questions are just well let's just say some of the questions are really far out there it's a good way to put it <laughs> I got a guest complaint at Disney World against me because the guests thought that I would since I was wearing a lanyard with pins because I got into pin trading and I got a big pin collection uh, since I had a lanyard with pins and was wearing just a collared polo shirt and khaki shorts and tennis shoes and waiting for my daughter to get off of a ride that I worked there. And I tried to explain to her, I don't work here. I live in North Carolina. <laughs> she said, well, you know, I don't care where you live. You should know everything. You people, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I gave her my first and last name and told her to go to City Hall to complain about me if she wanted to. And, Sure enough, she did. <laughs> so I take it you stopped by City Hall later and said, so did a guest come by? Yeah, because I didn't want them spending their time trying to find out who this Brian Levine guy was uh, that was working in uh, Mickey's Toontown Fair. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's really it. It's just it's a, it's a question that I've been asked a lot and I never had an answer to, but now I finally have the answer to it. It's really just all the senses are filled and being there is more important than doing anything there. It's just being Right. Yeah. I actually have a book coming out in November, and one of the sections I write about something I learned from Kevin Yee from MySage, where he talks about uh, immersion toward interesting illusion. And that's kind of the capsule summary of what makes Disney Disney in, in all of its parks and things. Yeah, and I think that's the part of me on a professional side that really likes doing trade shows and consumer events and stuff like that because I'm totally immersed in that environment of the exhibition hall or the little ballroom or the retail store that I'm in, and I'm completely inundated with all the senses of the of the event. Maybe I'm a sense junkie. <laughs> Maybe so. I do know that while I sit here at work all day, I have a 
I have a tendency to put on Disney music, and I think I've got about 11 hours stored on my hard drive of my laptop at work. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> well, before we go into the last couple of wrap-up questions, uh, is there anything that I haven't given you a chance to talk about that you want to? Boy, I don't. Th- I could go on for. I could go on for hours because <laughs> it's just too much fun. The one thing that we didn't talk about was my last day. My last day at Disneyland was really kind of special for me. Oh, please, uh, let's hear it. They asked me what shift I wanted, and I wanted the night shift closing on the fire truck because I wanted to see the electrical parade one more time while I was working. I wanted to drive the fire truck. I had a couple other requests, and this one, one of them got tricky. But besides getting the fire truck for the shift and watching the electrical parade and then the park closing at midnight, my last break was up on the patio outside of Walt's apartment. And we walked up and they unlocked the apartment. I got to walk into Walt's apartment. I'd been in there once or twice before, but not officially. Uh, But this time I was in there officially and I had a cup of coffee and we walked out onto the patio where there's a couple of park benches and there was an ashtray at that time. And I got to sit in town square up on those benches up on the patio. And that was where I had my my last break as a... uh, Disneyland cast member. Oh, wow. Uh, and then my last trip down Main Street on the fire truck, I drove the whole thing in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, being in Walt's apartment and going out there and taking a break where he was allowed to he was allowed to smoke out there because Lillian didn't want him putting any more holes in the upholstery. Right. That makes sense. So, so he was banished out there, so I was out there too. Well, you were in good company then, so to speak. Yeah, that was that was a fun last break. So it was nice of my supervisor to let me do it. So. No, definitely. So let me ask you then, what inspires you? Creating. Uh, creating and variety. I really do not like routine. If you want me to make the trains or the buses run on time every day, I'm the wrong person because I get really bored real quick with that. <laughs> But if you want me to, and I think this goes back to what I really liked about Main Street, is to be involved in a couple of different events and be a part of a show and create that and get that very day-to-day routine or month-to-month routine, I love it. Uh, Even in my job now, I get ready for a big trade show. It takes me three weeks to build a, a trade show exhibit and you know, merchandise it, or I get to create new products that we launch to market, and that's my favorite, my favorite part of the job. And then seeing somebody get the product to me is like seeing a kid getting their first Mickey Mouse balloon walking down Main Street. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So creating stuff and variety of variety of it routine just kills me. I understand. I'm not that way, but I know a lot of people who are. So in some ways I can relate. That's good. That's good. And I didn't say it earlier, but thank you for sharing that story about your last day working there. That's a really nice story. It's a good story. Yeah, that that was fun, and they weren't supposed to do it, but they did. So that always makes it even a little extra special, especially since I wasn't exactly the model cast member, but I was well liked at least. <laughs> that goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. Now, a lot of people listening have their own dreams, and and I know this. 
uh, from even what listeners have told me. And maybe it's to work for Disney, you know, to get to be a conductor on the train or drive one of the Main Street vehicles or something like that. Uh, probably it's not to work in the parking lot, but maybe. I mean, you know, who am I to, to question something like that? Uh, but, you know, it might be something else entirely, something not even related to Disney. Um, but they're afraid. You know, maybe they've forgotten that they had the dream once or they're just too afraid to pursue it. And, you know, if nothing else, you took a risk and, and put yourself out there to go apply at Disneyland. And then you got to live that for a few years. So... Uh, and then now you're doing something that is also something that you are very interested in, and you can combine it with your love of Disney, which makes it even better. And there's, I know people listening who are like, well, I, okay, I can't, I know what I'm interested in, maybe, but I can't do anything with it. It's just kind of a silly little thing. Um, so what advice do you have for that person? There's two things that I'm trying to get my kids to understand, and I try to get anybody that works with me to understand, I don't know doesn't exist when I ask for your opinion, thoughts, or ideas. If I ask somebody, what is, what do they think of this? And people that tell me, I don't know, tells me that there's somebody that is just completely founded in one section or one, one little reality. Um, the biggest thing that I hear from my from my kids or from people that want to do something but they don't know how is I don't know and you've got to have some sort of a dream you have to close your eyes and see something else that you want to do whether it be just learning how to build a bookshelf or in our backyard I've got an idea for building a butterfly garden that is similar to what they do at the flower and garden at Epcot, but dramatically smaller. Mm -hmm. But I have an idea for it, and I have a vision of it. You have to be able to close your eyes and see that vision. If you can't do that, then you need to clear out whatever's blocking that idea. Uh, the other thing that I like to tell the kids is to have a short-term, have a medium range, and have a long-term dream better known as a goal. What can I achieve this week? What can I achieve this month? What can I achieve by the end of the year? Or for those of us that are older now and we can live off of, this is what I'm going to do this year. This is what I'm going to do in five years. And right now my dream is by the age of 60 and 14 and a half, well, 14 years and two months, is to be no longer working for a living but living for the work that I want to do which puts me back at Disney somewhere, that's the dream. And you have to you have to say, okay, I've got this short one that I can do, and you feel the success of it so you know that the next one is, is going to be easier to get to. But you have to be able to close your eyes and see that and picture it and visualize it. And if you can't do that, you need to clear out those cobwebs and figure it out. But I've, I've always told my kids... I, I don't know is the answer to a factual question, but if I'm asking you for a thought, opinion, or point of view, you do have a thought, you do have an opinion, you do have a point of view of everything. It's yours. It's your own unique perspective. And as I think I said earlier, you, everybody is the leading expert on their own opinion. Mm -hmm. And share it and do it. I wanted to be. I went to. I went to school for broadcasting, television and film, and I 
wanted to be a sports person and realized that I wasn't going to be as good as I thought I was. So I changed and then found out I didn't like the technical side of film production and stuff like that. But now, 20 years later or so, I've got this little podcast that in its own little world is getting twelve to 15,000 downloads an episode that people look forward to. And I'm proud that I, I'm able to produce it and put it together. And it all started with an idea and then changed into a different idea. And then it started and then it took some hard work to learn how to do it. Because mm-hmm. I'm one of the few people that you'll have on that knows that putting together a podcast is not an easy thing to do. It's a lot of lonely, quiet time you know, before the show goes up and pre-planning and prepping and laying things out. And it's a lot of quiet, lonely time, but at the end of it, I've created something. Yeah, that's very true. And I've gone all the way back to what I loved doing when I was in high school. So it all comes full circle again. Right, just like the train. For, yeah, pretty soon I'll be drinking out of a bottle and laying in a diaper. <laughs> That's really good advice, so thank you for sharing that. And then finally, what would you like to mention or promote? You know, how, maybe how people can find you on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you can tell people how to find your podcast, all that sort of thing. I call it shameless plug time. Yeah, and I do it too on my on my show, so I don't call it anything. I just plug them. <laughs> uh, the, the podcast, if you're interested, is on iTunes. It's called the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. For Disney-related fans, you may be interested in last Halloween's episode, uh, which goes back to yeah, it goes back almost a year now. I've plugged some Disney stuff in there very rarely, but it is me. It's the Pipes Magazine radio show. It's available on iTunes. Uh, my Facebook page is conveniently called Brian Levine. That works out well. Yeah, I think I'm the only one that's in Concord, North Carolina, home of NASCAR. And uh, my Disney Tabacchiana collection is all there. So I've got nothing to sell. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's all free to listen to, free to look at, and I'm free to chat with. Although I'm, me doing a podcast is much better than me trying to write a blog. I'm just a painful, slow writer, and I dislike the written word because I don't write very well. Or as they say down here, I don't write so goodly either. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we all have our strengths, so go with what works for you. Absolutely. Thank you very much for being on the show, Brian. I appreciate it. You've definitely had some great stories. It's been a lot of fun to talk to you, so I appreciate you contacting me and then uh, being on the show. And I really do appreciate you putting out the big stories and the small stories, and they're all, mine are very small, but some of the stories that I've heard from your previous guests have been absolutely wonderful and just eye-openers, and now I can't wait to get back to Port Orleans. I know what you mean. <laughs> Definitely know what you mean. So, well, you're very welcome. I'm glad to be able to bring the different variety of guests to people, and so I appreciate that. Have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom? If so, the Anomaly podcast may be right for you. In clinical studies, Anomaly's interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. 
Geekily active cool guys should listen too. Anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee. Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of Anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant golf clap, out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your Anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over-the-counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, Zune, and BlackBerry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at AnomalyPodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y Podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by JewelBeat.com That brings us to the end of this week's show. A very special thank you to Brian Levine for being my guest and to you for listening. Now, if you've worked for the Walt Disney Company in any capacity and you'd like to share a positive story, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY anytime, 24 hours a day. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show like Brian, let's talk. If you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and you've had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or if you've had any special Disney experience you want to share, I'd love to hear from you, too. Email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. If you backed my Indiegogo campaign to help pay for the publishing expenses for Faith in the Magic Kingdom, thank you. We raised quite a bit of money towards those expenses, and I really appreciate your help. Now, as before, we're going to take a week off, but we'll be back in the next episode with a single-part episode featuring a very special guest. Now, of course, all my guests are special, but there are some that are just a little more well-known. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I'll give you a hint. There's your hint. I hope you'll join us for episode 44. Now, before we move on to the last little wrap-up here, I also have an opinion question I'd like to ask you. I am thinking about expanding the scope of the podcast just a bit, and since you're listening, I want to know what you think of the idea. I'm thinking of expanding it to include people who are actively doing things for, with, about Disney, generally other than podcasts or blogs on occasion. For the most part, podcasters and bloggers have their own forum, and they get to talk about why they love Disney and what's important to them and all things like that quite frequently. But I'm thinking of other people. Uh, People like Noah from Noah Fine Art, uh, Tracy Hines, uh, Hipster Ariel, among other things, uh, singer Nick Patera, uh, author Sam Genoway, and uh, David Koenig, uh, and artists, musicians like uh, Tom Amin. Uh, Just an example of some of the people I have in mind. I'm not sure who I'd be able to get, and the focus would remain on people professionally affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. But I was thinking this might be an interesting experiment, and so I'd like to know what you think. Good idea? Bad idea? Would it influence your listening either way? 
uh, please go to the Stories of the Magic Facebook page at facebook.com slash stories of the magic and leave me a uh, comment on there or go to the show notes for this episode and uh, leave a comment on there to let me know what your thoughts are on that for or against or if you just have any thoughts in general related to what you think of the idea. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. The more reviews and ratings the show has, the better it shows up in lists and searches so it's easier for people to find. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, like answering my question about what you think of uh, expanding the scope of the podcast a little bit, but really it could be about anything, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Please like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic, too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.